Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. Uh, it's hard for many of us to believe that it was 10 years ago uh, that Sandy Hook happened. And yet 10 years later, the families uh, have brought uh, many lawsuits, one of them uh, successfully uh, against Alex Jones, who was, uh, through his uh, Infowars and his show, uh, saying that Sandy Hook never happened. And 15 uh, plaintiffs, 14 families and one FBI agent uh, decided to take on Alex Jones. And in an historic uh, award of compensatory damages, we saw a jury uh, win almost a billion dollars. And with that, we wanted to have on Chris Maddy, who was the attorney for these families, to talk about uh, what this means, how this uh, was for the families, and will they ever really see this kind of money? Uh, so we want to thank you for joining us. This is a sensitive topic, uh, but you must feel pretty um, uh, pleased, at least, that uh, the judge and the jurors uh, came through with this kind of amount. Um, Susan, thanks so much for having me on. It's good to be on Real Talk with RAF, uh, your podcast. Um, you know, it's been two weeks since the verdict, and um, it has started to sink in just, you know, what the families were able to accomplish through their courage and persistence um, in standing up for themselves, because I think your description of the verdict as historic is is absolutely correct. Um, you know, it is the largest defamation verdict in the history of the United States. It is the largest verdict of any kind in Connecticut history. Uh, and I think that that's appropriate given what Alex Jones put these families through for going on 10 years and, and counting. Um, so we felt extremely proud of the jury's uh statement in this case um that they saw the evidence they saw the depravity of alex jones's conduct they saw the catastrophic consequences it had for these families and really our society and they returned a verdict that reflects that so yeah we feel we feel like we've accomplished something very significant Take us inside the courtroom. You know, many people uh, were not able to or may not know what it's like to be in a courtroom in that kind of situation and how these families and you felt about the damage that Alex Jones caused by saying that Sandy Hook never happened. It went deeper than that. Yeah, I, I think it's unless you were there watching the testimony of these families, I think it's probably hard to appreciate just what this meant in their lives, but I can try and give folks a sense. So on the day of the shooting, on December 14th, 2012, Alex Jones went on his show within hours of the shooting while families were still gathering at the firehouse, still unsure what had happened to their loved ones and their children. And he told his audience uh, that Sandy Hook was likely staged. Um, and in the month after that, he, it was a repeated barrage of him claiming it was staged, claiming that the parents were actors and putting out to his audience of literally hundreds of millions um, that this was the case. And, and, and all of it, he said, was as part of a plot to strip people of their rights, that the families 
were frauds, actors, part of a plot um, orchestrated by the government to strip people of their Second Amendment rights. And so Alex Jones's audience went to work right away on harassing these families, threatening them online, um, sending horrible messages um, and egged on by Alex Jones. And this continued year after year after year, escalating in seriousness where people who believed Alex Jones's lies were showing up in Newtown, desecrating the graves of children, threatening to murder um, the surviving children, the parents, threatening rape, showing up at their homes, sending them threatening mail. Um, several families moved uh, in order to escape this, only to be found months later, months later when the harassment continued. Um, the, the online harassment and threats then went offline and in person where families would be encountered in public by people who would recognize them because Alex Jones had shown their faces over and over again as actors and tell them that their children hadn't died and could just spew all sorts of rage at them. This is, and So this has become a constant fixture in their lives. Uh, and nobody would know about it because so much of this happened you know, in, in private, um, they suffered in silence. Uh, they did make efforts communicating with Facebook and other social media platforms to let them know what was going on. Some parents actually reached out to Alex Jones directly early on to let them know that what he was doing was resulting in harassment, but it just continued on and on and on. And so I'm sorry to go into that in such detail, but the reason it's important is because as these families are telling these stories in court, um, mixed with the story of how they tragically lost their child um, and how real that day was and just how real that shooting off it was and how real they are. It was just incredibly emotionally uh, heavy and uh, moving uh, and, and also uh, infuriating. I think it's important for people to hear it and know, because I think you're right. I think, you know, after, uh, you know, Sandy Hook, and yes, there have been uh, other events, but we, we no one really understood um, what was happening. And playing devil's advocate, you know, I mean, I know Norm Pattis, who represented um, Alex Jones, said, well, you know, First Amendment rights, people have a right to say whatever they want. So in this case, I mean, he... He said that, but it went deeper than that. And but a jury felt that there were uh, consequences for that. Yeah, I, you know, first of all, people don't have a right to say whatever they want. Um, people have very, very broad uh, free speech and free expression rights in our country, as we would want. You know, it's crucial that we have the free exchange of ideas, even unpopular ideas, even offensive ideas, um, offensive opinions. All of that is protected and part of, you know, what we expect in a loud, rough and tumble democracy. But what has never been protected are lies, you know, especially lies directed toward private individuals, because those lies can have devastating consequences, mm -hmm. even even lies um, of far less severity than the ones that were told here, you know, lies about um how you might be as an employee or, you know, lies about something that you posted online. But, but these lies were lies that went directly to the core of who they were as human beings. 
Um, they had gone through a defining and horrible moment in their life of losing a child. And that was then turned around and they were uh, lied about and told that they were frauds and fakes, that their children never existed, denying their existence, denying the reality of their grief. I don't think anybody would reasonably believe that that type of deceit is somehow protected by the First Amendment or, um, you know, of any sort of value. And in fact, that's why the laws of defamation have existed alongside the Constitution since the time the Constitution was passed, because even our, um, you know, our founders recognized that law, uh, I'm sorry, that lies in a free society are corrosive to the idea of democracy. Um, they don't inform the citizens, they mislead the citizens. And so that's what happened here. And, and there really was no legitimate First Amendment protection for this type of stuff. And for these families to be traumatized again. And as you know, social media really uh, takes on a life of its own. So his followers and people uh, harass the families. Um, I think that um, people don't re realize uh, that kind of damage. And also the fact that Alex Jones profited greatly by telling these lies. Share with us that part of it, that not only did he know and admit that he he knew Sandy Hook, you know, when he, in the trial that it was fake, that it wasn't fake, but that he made money off of that, off their tragedy and allowing this to, you know, spiral out of control. Right. Yeah. So we presented evidence that contrary to what Alex Jones was saying on the air is that he knew full well that the shooting had happened, that 26 people had been killed and that Alex, uh, I'm sorry, that um, Adam Lanza was responsible for it. Um but what he also saw in that first month in which he was um, claiming that it was staged were that his audience numbers jumped significantly. And we were able to prove that because um, there, InfoWars maintained certain analytics about their website performance, some of which um, was produced to us, not all of which, but some of which. And it showed about a 40% jump in website traffic from December 2012 to January 2013, when he was covering this repeatedly. And then from the 2012 to 2013, nearly a 50% increase in audience as he was covering this repeatedly. And that increase in audience resulted in an increase in people then being directed to his online store where he sells you know, all sorts of uh, nutritional supplements. Um, and that resulted in an increase in revenue to the tune of in 2012 and 2013, tens of millions of dollars, even over the course of the 10 years, exceeding hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. His uh, corporate representative testified at trial that over the last 10 years, InfoWars may have made up to a billion dollars. Um, in, and during that time, there was no other story that Alex Jones was covering as much. It's hard to believe this, but as much as the Sandy Hook shooting. Um and so, you know, you might ask yourself, well, why in 2017, five years after the shooting, would Alex Jones continue to have people on to say it's fake? It's because he was getting paid and he knew that it worked. Um, and it's that kind of business model built on dishonesty and kind of inflicting uh, cruelty on others that we hope is no longer sustainable as a result of this verdict. It kind of fit his narrative of of, of what he wanted. Um, do you think this will this kind of uh, verdict will send a message to others uh, that, you know, if 
they do something like this, that, you know, there are consequences and they could also be in the same situation and be liable. Oh, it definitely sends, I think it definitely sends a message. I mean, $965 million verdict against um, a so-called media organization uh, for for knowingly lying, I think is incredibly meaningful, especially in an age where, you know, we have so many different media outlets, including a number um, that have kind of patterned themselves off Alex Jones. They're inflammatory, provocative, dishonest, um, and are making a lot of money by generating outrage and website traffic and social media impressions. Yeah, I think that this type of verdict will get the attention of those folks um, because if they're reckless in how they disseminate false information or if they do it knowingly, they could very well be subject to a verdict like this. And and one of the reasons that, you know, one of the lessons I hope that they take from this is that when you put out content that's designed to go viral, that virality has an outsized impact on the people that it is directed at. Uh, and that can result in a huge verdict. So in our case, for example, we were able to prove that at a minimum, Jones's Sandy Hook lies uh, had 550 million impressions just on um, three social media platforms he operated. 550 million impressions. It was designed to go viral. Um, and and that number, I think for the jury, uh, you know, the scale of it, I think figured very, very heavily in, in their assessment of how much damage was done. One of the things that people ask me uh often since the trial is, you know, what is the likelihood that these families will see any of this money? I mean, Alex Jones uh, has declared bankruptcy. He said that he certainly doesn't have a billion dollars or close to a billion dollars. So how do those families uh, get compensated? Is there, will they see that money? Um, So I think, First of all, I think um, accepting anything that Alex Jones says at face value, especially about his finances, um, is, is you're, you're probably better off um, taking the opposite of what he says. <laughs> that. But um, number one, he's he has um, sought bankruptcy protection for his company, but he hasn't personally sought bankruptcy protection and he hasn't been given that his company hasn't been given bankruptcy protection. Uh, in fact, we think the basis for his bankruptcy was fraudulent to begin with. But your your point is that given a verdict of this size, $965 million, like how can you, is it possible that he'll end up paying all of it or some portion of it? And the answer is absolutely yes. How much he ends up paying of it depends on how much money he has. Um, and that's really the next stage of this litigation is to figure out, okay, what exactly are his assets? Where are they? Has he transferred any assets uh, in anticipation of his verdict, let's claw those back. And then when we get a full um, picture of his assets and we'll be aided in that project by um, very motivated collections attorneys, uh, we will then be able to collect against it. Now, whether that's 100 million, 200 million, 965 million, whatever it is, uh, we are going to be chasing that money down and he's going to be paying it. And and an important point also is that some of the claims that we brought here aren't what, what's called dischargeable in bankruptcy. So, you know, sometimes if you file for bankruptcy and you're subject to a claim, depending on the type of claim, you might only have to end up paying out some portion of what you owe. 
that's part of the purpose of bankruptcy. But if you engaged in intentional malicious conduct, which Alex Jones did, you don't get any break in bankruptcy. And so he's going to be on the hook for all of this as long as it takes him to pay it off. And if some observers are correct in that, you know, he just doesn't have enough money and he's never going to have enough money, then he's going to be paying this off as long as he lives. And that's fine too. Take us to the next step. So as we all know, uh, there are always appeals. And in this case, uh, there is one. How will that slow down the process? And we still have another phase and that's the punitive uh, part of all this that doesn't require a jury that requires right a judge to decide punitive damages. So there could be more money. But again, uh, the attorney for um, Alex Jones, Norm Pattis, uh, has filed an appeal. So how could that slow this down? So the next phase is for the judge to assess punitive damages against Alex Jones on top of what the jury did. And that's because we brought a claim under Connecticut's Unfair Trade Practices Act. Um, which prohibits businesses from engaging in kind of reprehensible, oppressive business activity that results in harm to others. And the judge is going to be deciding that within the next month or so. And then we'll have kind of a total amount that Alex Jones owes, and he may choose to appeal it. An appeal hasn't been filed. I think it's reasonable to expect that he will appeal it. Even as he appeals it, what's likely to happen is we will go about attaching his assets, basically filing liens against his assets to ensure that they're preserved when ultimately he has to pay this if the verdict is affirmed. So they secure those assets to make sure that they are there. Okay. So there is some action taken. They can't make him start paying, but they can have uh, those assets seized or at least uh, not spent. Correct. And then parallel alongside that, you know, his company is currently in uh, seeking bankruptcy protection. And, and in that uh, proceeding, we will be able to get all sorts of insight into his businesses, finances, and assets because he has to disclose them uh, to creditors there. So that process will be moving along as well. I think we're probably looking at, you know, another couple of years of litigation around mm-hmm. this. But, you know, we, we filed the lawsuit in 2018. This has been going on since 2012. These families are incredibly um, patient and determined to see that the jury's verdict is vindicated. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. You know, I mean, the jury determined what was justice in this case, and and it would be um, wrong of us not to pursue that verdict all the way to the end. And we will do that. And I guess finally, you know, I wanted to have you on because I think that, you know, most people don't realize what's been going on. And so you're able to bring us a little closer to, you know, what these families have gone through. Mm-hmm. and. I'd like you to share with us your feelings, you know, with the families. I mean, this is very, they they have really lived through one of the worst tragedies in the world, right? The loss of a child and uh, to be traumatized and say it didn't happen. Uh, but you have to be in awe of their strength to continue on with their lives and take on this kind of action, kind of reliving those memories over and over. Yeah, it, it it's... It's really remarkable. I mean, first of all, they so they go through this unspeakable event. They lose a child, they lose a spouse, a sibling, um, a parent, and and almost immediately they start realizing that even in their grief, 
they have to deal with this, what, what um, Alyssa Parker, Emily Parker's mom, described as a full-on assault, uh, even as they were burying their children. And, and even out of that, so many of these families started charitable organizations or missions devoted to um, easing you know, some of the problems in our society that led to this. Some went to work on gun safety, some went to work on, you know, um, studying, you know, neuroscience in children, some went to work on helping other children identify at-risk behavior by other kids to try and prevent school shootings, um, developing scholarship funds in their loved ones' names, just incredible. And then um, they decided, some of them decided, you know, we want to do whatever we can to make sure that other people don't have to go through what we went through. And so some of them decided to bring a lawsuit against the maker of the AR-15 Bushmaster that was used here and won the first ever and largest settlement against a gun manufacturer as a result of that. Some decided we cannot just allow this type of um, disinformation that results in harassment to go unanswered anymore. We're going to stand up for ourselves. We're going to stand up for the next victims of a mass shooting that may have to go through this too. And they brought a lawsuit against Alex Jones and won an incredible verdict. These people are uh, just among the most gracious, generous, uh, strongest people I've ever been around. And, and then they go into court um, in a public setting and kind of testify to the world about the most intimate and personal and private experiences of their lives knowing that that's going to result in additional harassment. It's just, um, it's, it's hard to really kind of get your mind around what this has been like for them, but, but they've done us all a great service. I, I think they should be commended for their strength. I've had the opportunity and to, to meet with many of the families over the years. As you know, I covered Sandy Hook and I was there that tragic day. And the, the things that they have accomplished uh, since then are really remarkable. The Sandy Hook Promise, which helps kids at risk in our schools, taking on the gun companies. So I think that, you know, it's important work that they've done. It's not easy work. You know, it's hard to live through one of those, the worst thing that could ever happen and do that. So with that, I I, I appreciate you. And I'm glad that you were able to share uh, with our viewers and listeners uh, what's happening. And um, please come back again and keep us updated and give our best to the families. And uh, let's see what happens. Well, Susan, thanks so much for having me on. It's always All great right. to talk Thank to you. you. All right.